We gotta go. Hey, little Ray, let's go. Do you think the princess should have a red dress like mine? Red it is. Where's Missy? Missy! Where's Missy? Sorry, Mac, they haven't seen her. Missy! Missy! Oh, scared. I didn't know what to do. Hostile suspect sighting. Ground teams found the truck in the mountains. I'm really sorry, Mr. Phillips. You want some help over there? I'm okay. Well, have some dinner tonight. Maybe next time. Showed up in my mailbox with no tracks in the snow. You're not thinking about going back there, are you? I gotta do something. You know, this isn't a good idea. It's crazy, but this is all I got. Got a fire going inside if you want to warm up. Mackenzie Allen Phillips. I've been looking forward to this. Do I know you? Not very well, but we can work on that. He's still having a hard time believing this is real. Why did you bring me here? There's no easy answer that'll take your pain away. Where were you when I needed you? I never left you. I never left this. Ain't it just like a tear to go and blow? You want me to forgive him? I want him to hurt like he hurt me. You want the promise of a pain-free life? <laughs> there isn't one. You can do this. I can't. Not on your own, Skin. This is your flying lesson. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for this day that we can celebrate new life, that we can celebrate life that begins and ends in you, meaning that life has no end. It may be different than what we experience right now, but when the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven comes to fruition, we know that there is life after death, and death is not the victor. May you be with us this morning. Speak to us. Use my words, may they not be mine, but yours. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If we all live long enough, we are going to experience a tragedy that makes each of us visit the shack. Much like Mac that you just saw in the, the sermon series bumper, you see the, the gentleman who is agonizing and angry with God and he wants to hurt God. That is the man who experienced the tragic death of his little girl. And I don't care how old we are, at some point, if we live long enough, we are going to find ourselves in, in a tomb of our grief and our despair, our anger, our pain. And we're going to need to find a way out. That was the whole point of the movie, The Shack, the book, The Shack. Uh, the, the author, Paul Young, experienced tragedies in his own life growing up. He was abused by his father. So if you called God father to him, that was a negative connotation. And he wrestled with God. 
How could there be a good God, a loving God, an all-powerful God? And tragedies exist like this, or like that happened last Sunday morning in Egypt. As Christians were gathered together to worship on Palm Sunday, one of the high holy days, it's a big day in the life of the church, they were bombed by ISIS, over 35 killed. Tragedies like that cause us to go to the go to the tomb of the shack. Or then, what about the bus of senior adults? They were on a church trip in Texas. And they were hit head on by a gentleman who said he was texting before the accident. And it killed 13 senior adults on a church trip. Can you imagine what that church feels like today? I mean, they have to be engulfed in sadness. But hopefully, they feel the power of the resurrection. On Friday, a five-year-old was in the Westin in Atlanta with his parents. And in a fluke accident, that was the rotating restaurant on the top, in a fluke accident, he was trapped between the wall and the rotating floor and tragically killed on Good Friday. Then in our own Morseville community, two young ladies, one that went to Grand Canyon University, one that went to Western, she had gone out there to visit her sister and they were driving to the Grand Canyon to see the sunrise. And there was someone driving the wrong way on the interstate. Struck them, all three are killed. And then, on Thursday of this week, a young man here at Lake Norman High School attempted to take his own life while at school in this very place. The last I heard, he was still in critical condition in the hospital, most likely brain dead. A young man who suffered from depression. Plimped with emotion. As followers of Christ, that's what we believe today is. And wherever you land in the Easter story or even in Christianity, if you are here today simply because somebody made you come, that's all right. We all come to the, to the Christian story from different places and different perspectives. 
this morning, we come and we see that there are four different ways that the gospel writers tell the story. And that's going to be the scripture lesson this morning. We're not going to read just one. I'm only going to read this much of all of them. And I want you to look for the commonalities. Theologians and scholars for centuries have struggled with the birth narrative and the resurrection story. Some want to explain it away with science. Some take it so literally and hold on to that hope. But thinking people often come to the scriptures and say, okay, this makes no sense. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They all tell a different story. How can any of the stories be true if they're all different? Well, I don't know about you, but I can barely remember what happened last week. We had a staff planning retreat at the beginning of this week, and I was trying to think why I felt like I hadn't been at home for a prolonged period of time. And I'm like, what was last Saturday? Feels like last Saturday was something big. I don't know where I was last Saturday. I mean, it took me like two or three minutes. And then the staff said, the egg hunt. I'm like, oh, yeah, like almost 500 people downtown Mooresville. That's where I was. I mean, I can't remember things. So 70 or 80 years later, when they finally wrote this stuff down, they don't remember it exactly the way it happened, most likely. And that's why we have different accounts. But it doesn't disqualify them. So wherever you are with the Easter story this morning and scripture and Christianity in general, just just give me a few minutes and let's hear what is in common and let's hold on to the hope that comes with knowing that there is a brighter tomorrow, that that's not cliche, it is true. Hopefully the closing sermon illustration will prove that. I want to show you a picture before we read the scriptural lesson. I want to show you a picture this morning. This is Scooter. He was our pug for over 15 years. And if we're friends on Facebook, you saw yesterday morning that I put up some pictures. And I said, you know, I really, if you're out there this morning right now, I just would like for you to pray for Scott and Lane because they are taking Scooter to go to doggy heaven Scooter was was 15 years old, plus some, and back in January, I was supposed to go to dinner with one of my great preacher friends, and I called her, and I said, you know, I can't come, because I think Scooter is dying, and both kids are home, and I think we're probably going to have to deal with some difficult decisions, and she's like, no worries. Now, that was in January. This is April. Scooter could like resuscitate better than any dog I have ever seen. Like that day, he couldn't walk through the house. He just sort of stumbled. He, we believe he had arthritis and we took him to the vet and they said that there was something pressing in his trachea, could have been a tumor, who knows what. So he had lots of health issues going on, but no lie. That day after we all just sort of sat around and petted him and, and grieved, that we were going to have to help Scooter move from this life to the next. The next day, the, the dog was trotting through the den. And I'm like, what are you doing? We can't take you to the vet if you run through the house. And so both kids went back to school. Both kids came home for spring break at different times. And they're like, Scooter's still here? I'm like, well, do you not think we'd tell you if the dog wasn't going to be here before you got home? And they were always surprised. And so over the last three weeks, 
Scooter would get up and, and he couldn't walk. And, and he would stumble and then fall down. In the last two weeks specifically, he wouldn't get up anymore. Always these things happen when Scott's out of town and I'm home alone. So I call him, I'm like, Scooter can no longer walk. And he's like, well, if you can just hold on till I come home, I'll, I'll take him. And so I was like, all right, Scooter, we're gonna hold on, all right? Come on. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and I was having to carry him everywhere to, to eat, and then he got to where he wouldn't eat. I'd put the bowl right in front of him, and he didn't want anything to do with it. So I went to bed that night, resolved, that the next morning I was going to have to suck it up and take him to the vet. And sure enough, the vet was closed. I'm like, all right, one more day. Then Scott came home, and we kept trying to figure out what was best. And, and seriously, we would be so close, and then he literally would rally. I mean, he'd like run across the, the wood floors and the den. And I'm like, oh, we can't take you when you act so good. And Scott's finally like, Andrea, really? This is, he's bad. And so Scott was home. Lane was coming home for Easter. And I decided that the two of them could do what I could not do. Andrew called. He, Cornell does not get an Easter break. So he called on Friday and he's like, Mama, really? You're not going to go? He said, do you know what you do for a living? Like, you go with people when they move from this life to the next. You've always said it's one of the greatest privileges of being in ministry because we do believe that Easter carries new meaning. He said, you are telling me that you can do that, but you are going to make daddy go by himself to take the dog? I'm like, Lane's going, it's all good. He said, so you're going to make him and Lane go? I said, yes, I am. He said, why are you doing that? I said, because it's sad, Andrew. I mean, I started out 15 years ago and I didn't like dogs. That was your dog. We got this dog for you and your sister. I didn't want to touch him. I didn't want to play with him. I was just happy that y'all were happy. But 15 years with Scooter, he grew on me literally and figuratively. So I said, Andrew, I can't because it's just too sad. And he said, okay, mama, let's flash forward hopefully a lot of years. And you are finding that you are in your end stages of life. And the family's all there. And then I leave. <laughs> and I said, well, why would you do that, Andrew? He said, because it's sad. <laughs> and I'm not going to be there with you when you move from this life to the next because it's sad. Do you hear how ridiculous that sounds? I said, well, yes, I do but I'm still not going to the vet. <laughs> I really didn't. My Facebook post said that I'm an emotional wuss, and I own that. Because I loved him, and it hurt. What in your life hurts so badly that you can't walk into the tomb of the pain and the grief so that you can work through that pain and grief and leave that tomb, that shack with new life. We all have those 
things, whether it is the death of a pet or a broken relationship or a job situation, the death of a loved one, financial crisis, we all face things that are tombs to us and they hold us in and we can't break out of them. But today, as Easter people, I do believe that we are given a hope that breaks all tombs open, that overcomes all shacks that we enclose ourselves in. Mac, he was engulfed in this great sadness, and so he goes. He gets this invitation by Papa, and he goes to this place. Much like we can go to a place deep within each of us with our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings. And he wrestles, he spends time with God. God the Father, God God the Son through Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. He confronts his judgmentalism and the fact that he, he's so angry at God and judging all the people that have made these things happen to him. He confronts his lack of ability to forgive. He confronts his pain of the death of his daughter. He confronts the fact that he killed his father with poison because his father abused him and abused his mom. He goes into the shack, he goes into the tomb, and he works through it so that by the end, he is able to leave that place with new life. But guess what? Those few days that he was there were not easy. They were the hardest and most grueling days of his life. So that in order for us to learn from this, we have to understand that when we walk into those dark shacks, when we walk into those dark places, in order to come out, we have to go through grueling things ourselves to be able to walk out on the other side. Jesus never said life is going to be easy, but he did say, I have come so that you may have life and have life abundantly. That is the promise that we have today. So in closing, I want you to listen to the scripture lessons this morning. They literally are just a little bit from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and We, sometimes you talk back to me this morning. I want you to talk back to me. I want you to answer this question. There is something in common in each of these passages. So after I read all four, I want you to tell me what it is that is in common. In Matthew, we read, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Then we have from the Gospel of Mark, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Then we have the Gospel of Luke. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. And then on John, in John, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. What's in common in all four of those gospels? They went to the tomb. Friends, this morning, if we don't walk away with anything else, whether you believe all that or not, we all, you can walk away with knowing we're all going to go to the tomb We all are going to go to the shack and it's going to be filled with sadness and despair. 
But there is more to life. We are not called and created to live this life just so we can get to the next. Jesus wanted us to have life here and now and have it abundantly. That is the promise that is here for us today and always. So if you are held in a tomb, may it be something that you can break out of knowing that you don't have to do it alone. That's what a community of faith is for. And that's what God is for. I want you to take a look at this video. I showed a video many, many years ago. This is our seventh Easter here. I think it was seven years ago I showed this the first time. His name is Ben Breedlove. He is a young man who was born with a heart condition and he went viral after his death. He had a video on YouTube talking about his near-death experiences leading up to his death, and then his parents found the video after he died. One of the rare privileges that we do have in ministry is that I have the opportunity to walk alongside people when they do move from this life to the next. It's one of the most peaceful experiences 99% of the time. It's things that I can't describe right now, but it's enough to tell you that I just believe with all that I am, that there is life everlasting. Take a look. My name is, my name is Ben, and I'm 17. Ben Breedlove seemed to be the kind of kid everyone wanted to be. Bright, eternally cheerful, with his own popular TV show on YouTube. This is the best place for girls and guys to find the answers you need. He practically grew up on the lake behind his family's Austin, Texas home. Wake surfing was, to him, as natural as taking a walk. Woo! But Ben was also born with a condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, a thickening of the heart muscle that can cause high blood pressure and sudden cardiac arrest. At various times in his life, Ben's heart did fail, but for him, it seemed those near-death episodes were always, somehow, a reason to smile. At age four, Ben almost died during a violent seizure, but when he woke up in the hospital, he saw something he could barely describe to his parents, Sean and Deanne. We were being wheeled down a hallway, and he commented to me that there was this white light above him. And he even said it was a pitch white light. It's right above me. Do you see it? And I said, no. Well, and it was significant because the yeah. hallway that they were being wheeled down, there were no lights on in that hallway. Ben recovered, but the vision stayed with him. As the years passed, Ben's life looked pretty much like any other kid's. On bad days, his heart would act up and he'd have to take it easy. And on good days, he'd do things not for the faint of heart. He had this adventurous spirit, and you didn't hold him back. Well, <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> but Ben Breedlove was always mindful of the fact that his days might well be numbered. In December 2011, while changing classes at Austin's Westlake High, Ben suddenly collapsed on a bench in cardiac arrest. The school nurse and emergency techs managed to bring him back, and later on, Ben described what he believed was another glimpse of heaven. He said he was in a white room, and the peace was more than he could explain. He couldn't describe it. And he told big sister Allie that he'd seen a place he didn't want to leave. I asked him if he was happy that he had woken up, and he said, I guess, and he started crying really hard. 
And that was really difficult for me to hear as his sister. You know there are some people who say, oh, these visions can be explained mm -hmm. by medicine. That wasn't heaven. That's just what happens when your heart stops. What would you say? I could just see it in his eyes, this peace that he felt. He said it was unexplainable. Two and a half weeks later, on Christmas Day 2011, Ben was out by the trampoline playing with kid brother Jake when his heart gave out again. 18-year-old Ben Breedlove had cheated death before, but this time would be different. All the medical things went on for quite a while in the backyard and in the ambulance, and that whole time I just wondered where Ben really was. If he was still here in his body or if he had gone to where he couldn't wait to go. But when the heartbroken family came home from the hospital the next morning, a friend told them they hadn't seen the last of Ben. Not really. And as they were leaving, my business partner's wife said, and you're really going to like the video. And we said, what video? A few days before he died, Ben had made this. It was his story, told without a single spoken word, about his struggles in this life and his vision of the next. As we watched that video, our son was smiling big. He was alive, almost like he was giving us a message. But the message wasn't just for them. And within a few days, it caught the world's attention. All around the world with a video he posted on YouTube. A rising star on YouTube will gather this afternoon at his funeral ben in Austin. Ben Breedlove was just 18, but left behind a... For millions, video. Ben Breedlove's vision of something beyond death seemed to be just what they were longing to hear. Within hours, people started posting their own videos with their own messages of inspiration and hope. YouTube says that as of this morning, Ben's video has been viewed more than 12 million times. Allie Breedlove, who wrote about her brother in a new book, says she's only been able to bring herself to watch the video a couple of times. The only reason that I'm able to cope with missing him every day is because I believe that he is more alive now than he's ever been. In 2011, an Associated Press poll of American adults asked, do you believe in angels? Nearly eight out of 10 said yes. Thanks to Ben Breedlove, there may well be a few more. You know, this is either the greatest conspiracy theory ever, or there's something to the story. Those women, they were all, I can't even imagine, engulfed in, in just such sadness, their own greatness, sadness, because they watched their Messiah and their Savior not just die, but be brutally murdered. And he died with grace. He died saying things like, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And woman, behold your son. And son, behold your mother. He, he made sure that he took care of everything there in his last breaths. And they went home. They went home that day in their sadness. But they went to the tomb. They chose to get up on the day after the Sabbath and go to the tomb 
And when they went, it changed everything. There is no tomb so deep and so dark that we can't escape it with the power and the presence of God's love. We are so glad that you chose to worship here on this Easter. Our friends from Faith in St. Paul, thank you for worshiping with us here at Lake Norman High School today. May you go in knowing the peace and the power of the resurrected God. If you're worshiping with us for the first time or new here to West, we have a VIP tent out front. We would love for you to stop by and let us know that you were here. And we also have exciting things. We would love for you to make West your church family. So check those out as you leave. May you go in the peace and power of knowing that we are not entombed by anything we can break free knowing that we are children of an amazing and powerful God. Happy Easter.